I never know what's going to happen on Super Bowl Sunday. You know, I don't know if people are going to stay away because they've got, you know, big party plans or if people are going to come. I kind of get the sense today, because a lot of people have been asking me, they're kind of looking for a divine word from the Lord in regards to the results of the Super Bowl. A lot of people have come up and been like, hey, you're the pastor, you know, is God telling you some stuff? You got a little prophecy for us? And <laughs> yes, I do, actually. Um, I, uh, I was in prayer this week, and um, I, I felt a rushing wind come into the room. I can only imagine. It was the wings of angels. And my Bible flew open to Job 12, 24, where it says, the Lord takes away the understanding of the chiefs and leaves them wandering in a pathless wasteland. And so I think, I think it might be a tough start for the chief. You know, but I kept going because there's a lot of stuff in the Bible about eagles too. So, so I looked that up in Isaiah 40, 31. It says, they will soar on wings like eagles. So the passing game is going to be pretty sharp. And it goes on, and they will run and not grow weary. The running game will be good as well. This could be a tough start. The first half could be a pretty tough start for the Chiefs. Well, I said, Lord, you know, what's going to happen? And he said, well, Dave, you know, I like a good resurrection story. And this is only the first half. And so I said, well, God, you got to show me what is going on. And that's when an earthquake happened. And my Bible fell on the floor and the pages opened up to Exodus 3.16 where it says, The Lord God said, Go and gather the chiefs of the children of Israel and say to them, Truly, I have taken up your cause. So in the second half, God takes up the cause of the chiefs. So now I'm confused. I'm going, well, maybe it's going to be a close game. I'm not really sure. I mean, who's going to win? Is it going to be Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chief? Or is it going to be Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles? And it was right then that I felt the Lord draw me to Revelation 2.11, which says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who is victorious will not be hurt. You're going to need to laugh at that because it doesn't get any better today, okay? <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. That's what's going to happen today. No, I'm just kidding. I have no clue. You know what? We better get, yeah, you can applaud for that. That was a lot of work. That took a lot of work for me. Hey, let's get to the preaching. Um, let's start. There. How many of you are good with, uh, no, no, let's do this. Let's, let's confess. How many of you are bad at directions? Just a mass confession. Raise your hand. Like you get lost in a drive-thru. You're that kind of person. I'm noticing a lot of you looking at the person next to you right now. Some of you are making someone else's hand go up and that sort of thing. It's funny how God helps the unlost people marry the lost people. Do you know what I mean? It's like we need help along the way. Um, I don't know how I am. Uh, um, do you think that men are worse than women at this? Oh, the women got real spiritual. They were like, amen, yes, amen, yes, I see it. You know, um, I have been uh, creatively finding my way at times with Rachel in the car. And she's like, I think you're lost. And I said, listen, this country was founded by pioneers. 
who just kept going, who kept exploring. That's what I'm doing. Sometimes I will open up my Bible to the part of the maps where it shows the children of Israel walking, meandering around, wandering around in the desert. And I go, I'm just being spiritual. That's the chosen people of God right there. And so I'm just creatively, you're not buying this at all. So I'm just going to keep moving. We're in a series called Life Hacks. And it's basically, what is practical wisdom? Uh, this person, Solomon, wisest man who ever lived, the Old Testament says that, and he's basically compiling wise sayings for uh, his young son. He's basically writing some wise saying, compiling wise saying, and he's trying to show people, hey, here are some of the just practical advice that works in life. And one of the things we want to talk about today is this, wise people will ask for direction. Foolish people won't, man. They'll just keep going. But wise people will ask for direction. And I think that the truth is a lot of people do come to church, and part of the reason they come to church is they're asking God for direction for their life. I don't think that's a question. I think most people come and they're looking for some sort of guidance, some sort of direction in their life from God. I think the real question is, if we get that direction from God, do we have the courage and the guts and the humility to actually follow God in that moment? There's a great book by Andy Stanley called The Principle of the Path. Uh, if you haven't read it, go read it. But it speaks to this concept. And he says a few things about lost people in here. I want to share them with you. The first one is this. The people who get lost don't do it on purpose. That makes sense, right? You don't, you don't wake up one day and say, okay, i got a few things to do today. i got to pick up Johnny from uh, music lessons. We've got to pick up some milk at the store. And then uh, on the way home, I want to get terribly lost, right? That never happens. You never schedule it. You never plan on it. It's always a mistake. People who get lost don't do it on purpose. First point. Second point, they don't know when it happened. People who get lost, like we don't realize when it happened. It's not like you're driving along and at some point you like hit a little bump or something and go, whoa, I'm lost. Like that doesn't happen. You might take a wrong turn and realize, I, th I just didn't get in the lane. I didn't take a right turn. But to be lost, you, you sort of go on for a while. Think, this is the way it works, right? You're going on for a while and something sort of piques your interest. You realize, hey, I think the sun was on the other side of the road just before, or something doesn't feel right, or I've never, I've never been past these uh, landmarks before. There's something that happens, and it's almost like your eyes, eyes just sort of open up and you become aware and you go, wait a second, I'm lost. Isn't that the way it works? Right, you've gone for a while. So from the point that you were not lost, you go for a while, and then you realize you're lost. Now what that means is there was a time in between there where you were confidently driving, but you were lost. You were confidently going down a path and thinking to yourself, I'm headed the right direction, when in fact, you were not headed the right direction, right? It, it, it's probably why, take this into the spiritual realm, where it's probably why King David would pray in Psalm 139, Lord, search me and know my heart, know my anxious 
thoughts and see if there be any offensive or wicked way in me and lead me in the paths everlasting. That's a prayer of humility. That's a prayer that recognizes, hey God, I could be, I I think I'm good, but I realize that I could be kind of moving along in life and I'm going to ask you, hey, could you search my heart? Could you see if there's offensive or wicked things going on that maybe I don't see at the time. And the reason you pray that prayer is because it's possible for you to be going along confidently, thinking that you're headed the right direction, when in fact you're not. So it's always, not, it's always a mistake. It's never on purpose. You don't always know exactly when it happens that you get lost. Let me give you a third point. The wrong road will never take you to the right place. Well, that makes sense, right? If you're on the wrong road, you're never going to get to the right place. Like, if you decide, hey, um, our family, spring break's going to come up and we're going to go to Florida. Wouldn't that be great? Um, and, and you can make all kinds of preparations. You can say, hey, we're going to get some sunscreen. We're going to need some swimsuits and towels and beach chairs. We're going to pack up the car really well. We're going to be so prepared. We're going to ask our neighbors. They're going to come and they're going to make sure to, to bring the mail in for us while we're gone and that sort of thing. I mean, you can be prepared. You can be excited. You can have all the intent in the world of getting to Florida. But if you pull out of your driveway and head down to 90 and then take 90 west, you're not going to get over there to Florida. Like, it's not the way it is. And, and the reason I bring that up, I say, well, duh, Dave. But the truth is, is that sometimes people will say things to me like, listen, I'm discovering my own truth. You heard people talk like that? Or they'll say, you know what, in, in my heart, I have peace about this or about that. And I just think, you know, sometimes, sometimes we feel like we're headed on a road that's heading to the right place, but it's the wrong road. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is saying, there's, there is a truth. There's only one truth. There's not your truth and my truth. They can't be different. So there's one truth. And the idea is, is that the wrong road, if I'm headed down the wrong road, I can't get to the right place. And then finally, your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. So so you could be as sincere as possible heading down that wrong road. You could be like, oh my goodness, I I am so excited about it. I'm, I'm super sincere about it. I really believe. And yet, if you're headed the wrong direction, it doesn't matter what your intention is, your destination will be the wrong destination because the wrong road never leads to the right place. Now, why is that important? That's not just important for driving. That's not important for, you know, not just important for when you go on vacation. That's important for every area of your life. Because the truth is, if we can get on the right path, get the right direction and head toward the right destination, well, I mean, if you can do that in your marriage, you're going to stay married, you're going to have a more a happier marriage. If you can do that with your parenting, like get in the right direction, do it the right way, go the right direction and get to the right destination, your kids are going to be happier, you're going to be happier. It applies in every area of your life, your finances, there's directions, there's choices that you can make. 
Um, in your career, there are choices, there are paths that you can go down, and some of those paths lead to the destination that you're hoping for, and some of those paths are the wrong road, the wrong path, and they're leading you to the wrong destination. And the reason that's so important in each one of those areas is that at some point along the way, you know this. I know this about you. I, I, know, this about, I know this about me. At some point in my life, in your life, we found ourselves in the wrong destination. Right? We found ourselves kind of like, ooh, this is painful. This is hurtful. This is not right. There's something unhealthy about this. Somehow I landed here, and, and this is not good. And sometimes that pain is caused by other people doing something to you. Sometimes that pain is a circumstance that happened to you and, and, and you had nothing to do with it. And there is pain in that. And that's a significant pain. But, my, but here's what I want to share with you. That pain is compounded that much more. When you can look back over the path of your life and realize that you're not in that painful situation, that wrong destination, because someone else did something or because some circumstance randomly happened, that you're in that position because you were going down the wrong road. And some of us are going down the wrong road and we realize we're going down the wrong road and we don't make a difference. We don't make, we don't make a change. And, and, and that is what I want to talk to you about today because the wrong road will never take you to the right place. Now, to make this a little bit clearer, I want to look at Proverbs 7. Again, this is Solomon, an older, wiser gentleman trying to speak to this younger generation. And in Proverbs 7, what he's going to do, he's basically watching this young man on a path. And it's almost like, I don't know if you've ever been, I, I mean, maybe you've, um, I, I, I remember this skiing one time. I was out downhill skiing, and I'm watching this person you know, shush down this one trail and another person shushing down another trail and I'm just like they can't see each other but I can because there's trees in the middle but I'm watching them and I'm going oh my goodness this is not good and like I can see the collision that's coming that's what's happening with Solomon today he's watching this young man kind of head down a path and he's like oh man wake up to what's happening because I can see it happening all right, so we're in Proverbs 7. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. We'll put it up on the screens too. But this is what Solomon says. At the window of my house, he's up in his house in the window, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense. <laughs> you ever met a young man who has no sense? <laughs> the truth is, you know what they say? Somebody, they say that... Um, that young men in particular, that our brains aren't fully formed until we're 25 years old. Isn't that crazy? The women again, like, amen, I've seen it, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if it's 49, honestly, when we get fully formed. But anyway, this young man who has no sense, he's among the simple. Solomon says this, he was going down the street near her corner, her corner, the corner that they all knew because they lived in that town. They knew who she was and they knew her corner, walking along in the direction of her house. Do you ever notice, young men, and the truth is, I think probably most of us, as he's walking in the direction of her house, do you ever, walk, do you ever notice that there, that there are times when we try to get as close to, like we head in the direction of trouble, 
And we kind of want to get as close to it as we can, but we don't want to get there. It's like, God, I, w- I want to know, like, how close to sin can I get? Now, I don't want to sin, God, but I sure want to do everything I can to get as close as I can to that sin. And I wonder sometimes if maybe what Jesus was talking about, about our hearts, is that sin and trouble in our life is not so much about the destination or the position of where we are as much as it is the direction that we're walking. Does that make sense? Like if I'm sitting there going, man, if it, you remember as, as a young man or young woman, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, how far is too far when I'm on a date? Or how, you know, how much can I drink without getting too? Like if my heart is already trying to figure out how much can I get away with, I wonder if my heart is not exactly in the right place anyway because it's about the direction I'm heading. He said he was going down the street near her corner, walking along the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. And you kind of get the sense this is going to be a PG-13 story. Like something's going to be happening here at night. And Solomon is basically going to be saying to this kid, hey, listen, you think you're going to, this is just going to be an event, a one time, a date in your life. But this is not an event. It's a path. Solomon sees like it's a path. It's a, you're headed down a destination. I see your direction here it's predictable. Well, the story continues. Then, then out came in verse ten. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. She's unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She took hold of him and kissed him, <laughs> and with brazen face she said, "Today I fulfilled my vows." Now that's really interesting in a religious culture like those ancient Jew- that ancient Jewish culture that was basically about, hey, if we do certain things, then we're right with God. If we make the right sacrifices, if we say the right prayers at the right time in the right way, well, then we're good with God. She's saying, hey, I fulfilled my vows. In other words, I went to the temple, I did what I was supposed to do, and therefore, let's party. Because like I'm right with God and now I can go do whatever I want and kind of like fill up the, the, the sin bucket again. And then, hey, next Saturday, next Sunday, I'm going to go back and I'll do my vows again. I'll empty the sin bucket. And she completely doesn't catch that this is about a relationship with God, not a religion. Does that make sense? That it is about understanding the grace of God, that I don't do stuff in order to make God love me and to be right with God. I do stuff because I'm already loved by God. And because of the way he's loved me, oh, I wouldn't think about doing some of those things that I'm tempted to do. She doesn't quite understand the grace that's supposed to happen. It's relationship, not religion. But she also doesn't quite understand sin. It's not that I do all this religious stuff so that I can go out and do the stuff that I really want to do. No, 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 no. It's not like God is saying, hey, here's what I want to do. I want to like, throw a bunch of boundaries out there to try and limit your fun. But if you'll, if you'll bribe me with religion, then I'll let you get away with more fun stuff. Like the sin is the really good stuff. No, that's not it. God is not a cosmic killjoy. 
God is up there looking at you and looking at me and saying, I love you so much, I'm going to put some boundaries in your life to keep you from some of those things that hurt you, destroy relationships, destroy careers, destroy self-esteem. I'm going to keep you from those things. We had a little dog. Her name is Sadie. Our kids love that dog. So you know what we did is we, when we put Sadie out, we actually put a fence in the yard. Now, I didn't put that fence in the yard because I'm going, you know what, I don't like this dog at all. I'm going to make sure she never has any fun. I put the fence in the yard because I knew within the fence she was going to be safe. Outside the fence, there was going to be, you know, trucks and cars, and there was going to be this big old world that had all kinds of dangerous stuff for her. And so because we loved her, we're like, we want to maximize your life, maximize your fun. Therefore, we put a boundary of safety around you. Does that make sense? Now we understand God's heart toward those boundaries or that sin. She said, today I fulfilled my vows. So I came out to meet you. I, I looked at you and I found you, big boy. And I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt and I've perfumed my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. And Come, let's drink, uh, drink deep of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. And like Barry White songs are going off and this kid's getting excited and he can't believe this is going to be amazing. And then she says, my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till morning or until full moon. And so she's like basically saying, hey, we've got time. But did you catch the word husband? And I think it's interesting because it just got more complicated. Like the cost of this party has just gone up. The consequences of this decision, this path that he's headed down, have just gotten a little more complex and complicated. And I think about that. The truth is there are times in my life where I'll be looking down a path that I know I probably shouldn't go down. But I'll look down that path and I'll kind of assess the amount of consequence is on that path. And I'll kind of weigh the amount of fun I think I'll have on that path. And then I'll kind of go, well, is it worth it to me or not? But do you know what? I can't tell you how many times that I've gotten the measurement wrong. There's so many times that I've gone down the road thinking, oh, it's going to be like a seven of consequences. And it ends up being a seven D of consequences because something always happens to make it more complex and complicated and the trouble seems to grow. I can't always have an accurate measure. She says, my husband is not at home. He's going to be gone for a long time. With persuasive words, she led the boy, led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk and all at once he followed her. And this guy, he is so, I mean, he's got to be, oh, I'm so excited. He can't wait. This is going to be amazing. All at once he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, Solomon says. And I just imagine if that boy was listening, he'd be like, like the what? Like the, like the ox going to the slaughter? No, like James Bond going into a James Bond film. You know, like a, like a rock star going into the club. That's what I'm doing. I'm like a rapper in a music video. Like I am... I am really excited about these. He goes, no, 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 you're like an ox. He, he's like, listen, I'm an older guy. That's Solomon. I'm an older guy. I've seen this a thousand times, buddy. I've seen, I've seen where you're headed. And he goes, you're like an ox 
going to the slaughter. He said, no, no, you're like a deer stepping into a noose until an arrow pierces his liver. And how about one more? You're like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. And what reaction would you have? The truth is, I, I might react being like, hey, hey, old fuddy-duddy. Hey, outdated guy. Hey, out old-fashioned guy. Hey, who, guy who really doesn't understand me and my life. <laughs> In reality, Solomon's going, no, I totally understand. I've seen it a thousand times. Here's the kid who's looking at Solomon, maybe saying something like, hey, don't judge me. Don't judge me in my life. Isn't that, isn't that like a, I almost feel like that's a, just a common theme in our culture today. Don't judge people. Like you can't judge people. Now we ought to teach on that sometimes because the Bible talks a lot about judgment. And, and here's the deal. We're not supposed to judge people like God would judge people because God's in charge of judging the heart. God is in charge of judging death or eternity. Right, So I would never judge somebody and say, hey, this, is, this was your intent, this was your motivation, this is where your heart was. I can't do that. I'm not qualified to do that. So I don't judge that way. I'm also not going to judge somebody's eternity. I'm not going to say, hey, you've done really good so far, therefore you're going to get, or you've done really bad so far, therefore there's no hope for you. I can't do that. I don't know the future. I don't know exactly what's going on in their heart, in their mind, in their life. Only God can do that. But do you know the Bible says that spiritual people can make judgments about all kinds of things? In fact, and, and, and we can make judgment. I'll tell you how to do it. You take what somebody said or what somebody did. Don't judge their intentions. Don't try and figure out what they were thinking, what they said, what they did. And then here's the deal. You have no authority to judge. None. What you do have is scripture that does have authority. So what you can do is you can take somebody's words and somebody's actions and you can put it up against scripture and you can say, hey, you're missing the mark here and I love you enough to tell you. And oh, it was two weeks ago I talked about, man, how great it'd be to have friends that love you enough to tell you that in your life because they, they care enough about you and your future. Well, Solomon's looking at this kid and he's saying, hey, you know, I've seen this a thousand times, buddy. It's not going to go well for you. He says, now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. There it is. It's not an event. It's not a one-time thing. It's a path. That's why as parents, the first time your kids cheat on a quiz you begin to think, oh my goodness, what if this is not a one-time incident? We immediately, as parents, we kind of go, oh my God, they cheated on a quiz, therefore they're going to be cheating on their taxes, therefore they're, gonna, they're not going to be trustworthy people, they're not going to be able to hold down a job, they're not going to be able to, they're going to end up going, because we've seen people start one place and end up destroyed. Or we see somebody, a kid comes home, they're uh, 17, 18 years old, and they come home and they've been drinking too much. And the truth is, you've seen, like, maybe there's been a time that you have or there have been other people that have, and, and, and they did, but you've also seen when someone's done that and then the next time they get a little worse and then the next time they lose a little control and the next time their relationships are getting destroyed and their careers are getting destroyed and their self-esteem is getting destroyed, all because it all started back with this little event that wasn't really an event. It was a direction. It was a path, and it's a path that was leading to destruction. 
And so many are the victims she has brought down, Proverbs 7, 26. Her slain uh, are a mighty throng. Verse 27, her house is a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. It's a really encouraging passage by Solomon here. Holy moly. But he's just seen it so many times. He's like, it's a four-lane highway. You want to talk about a path. This is not some like it happened once and so it's this small little path in the woods. Solomon's like, if I've seen it once, I've seen it a thousand times. You get on this path, this sort of path, and oh, it just leads to destruction. Oh. <laughs> and the truth is, we kind of know it. Like when it's happening to us, we kind of know it. But somehow we just keep ourselves looking straight down, looking at the next step on the path, and never allowing ourselves to look at where it's leading us. There's this sort of self-deception that I've done and you've done. And then we get on this path and we take the one step and it's like, I just want to think about tonight, just Friday night, just this party, just this moment in my life, just this credit card swipe, just this donut, just this whatever, just this one moment. This is all I want to think about. But in reality, we kind of know if we lifted our eyes, we'd see where it was heading. Stanley in the book riffs on this concept for a little bit. He'll, he goes on, he's got a list. He's like, you know what? I want, I want our family to be so close. I want us to have vacations together. I want us to laugh when we're around each other. I want the kids to love the kids and everything. And so I'm going to work all the time. Or I want my kids, I want us to have great communication with each other. I want them to know that they're a priority to me. And therefore, every time they're around, I'm going to have my phone out checking my emails. I want to lose weight. I want to be fit and healthy and so supersize it, you know. I want the kids to know how important God is. And so we're going to go to church every week that they don't have a soccer game. I want to know the Bible, so I'm going to get up early every morning and check all my social media and my emails. When I get married, I want to have an incredible, intimate life with my wife, and so I'm going to practice with everybody that I date. I want to be financially secure, so go ahead and charge it. It's that the wrong road will never take you to the right place. And so I just want to be, if I can, playing the part of Solomon this morning and just asking you the question. I mean, I kind of said all of that just to say this one question. Is the path you're on going to take you to where you ultimately want to be in your career? in your fitness, in your family relationships, in your finances, in your spiritual walk with God. Is the path that you're on, the decisions that you're making day in and day out, are they leading you to where you eventually want to be? Because the wrong road will never take you to the right place. And it's your decisions and your discipline and your direction, not your intentions, that determine your destination. 
And so this is great because this is the part where it's my favorite part of the message because this is the part where I stop preaching and the Holy Spirit, I'm praying, kind of takes over. Because I don't know your story and I don't know your path and I don't know what's going on in your life, but he does. And so what I'm asking right now is that the Holy Spirit would do that job that Jesus said one of the jobs for him to do is that he would convict or he would show us what's true about ourselves. And so I'm praying right now that the, the sermon, the message, would sort of be taken over by the Holy Spirit. And I know it's a spiritual thing, but the Holy Spirit of God and that he would speak to you right now and, and really sort of answer David's prayer in Psalm 139. Lord, search me and know my heart and see if there's any offensive or wicked way in me. Know my anxious thoughts and then lead me in the way everlasting. You know what you've never done? You have never been out driving a car and realized, sort of had that moment of reality where you go, wait a second, I'm lost. You have never said, well, let's just keep going. You have always said, hey, we're lost. We're going to go find the right way. And my prayer is, is that you would have that kind of courage today to do that, that you would sort of realize, whoa, this is where I'm headed. This is where, well, then I don't want to stay lost. I don't want to move that direction. Do you know there is in Asbury right now, um, a college down in, uh, in, in Kentucky, there's a revival going on. And here's, here's what's going on. Uh, on Wednesday, they had a chapel service in the morning. And the students came together, and it was just a normal chapel service, except for the fact that people have been praying, God, will you move? God, will you do something? God, will you come? God, will you, will you fix us? Will you revive us again as a community? And do you know that the Holy Spirit sort of swept through the room, and students started getting up and realizing, I'm going down the wrong path. And so students who are sort of in this safe environment because they know each other and that sort of thing, they, they, would, they were coming up front and they were saying, hey, um, I've been dealing with porn. And they're repenting of those things. And somebody else would get up and say, hey, you know what? I've been cheating on some of my exams. And I want to get right with God. And so after that, then they would move over and the people would just pray for them and love them and, and, and try to get them, you know, encourage them to get on the right track. And that happened on Wednesday. And do you know that it's still happening? It's gone on for days and it's still going on right now. And that's not a scary picture to me. That's a beautiful picture to me, especially with our young people. May it be so, especially with our young people. And it's not a scary thing if you know the heart of our Father. You say, Dave, what are you talking about? One more thing, then I'll be done. The heart of our Father, especially to the lost, to the people who have lost their way. Um, my son, Luke, I think I've learned a lot about God's heart just by being a dad myself. And you guys can probably relate to this if you're a parent. But here's the thing. My son, four years old, Luke, he gets, uh, we're playing hide-and-go-seek. And Luke, um, you know, we're up in the bedroom, and I, I, it's my turn to hide. And he's like, okay, hide my eyes. And ready or not, here I come. And I look up, and I'm thinking, Luke, he's four years old. He's going to be, you know, under the bed. Nope. He's going to be like right in the, behind the door in the closet. Nope. 
He's going to be in the, the bathroom and like shut the shower curtain. That's not where he was. So I'm like, okay, buddy, getting a little adventurous here. So I, I go out of our bedroom and I go down the hall in the upstairs hall and I go into his room because I think maybe he's under his bed and in his closet. And sure enough, he's not under the pillows. He's not anywhere. I'm going, wow, this kid is really venturing out. And I, I came back out and I looked down the stairs. There's nobody else home. And I looked down the stairs and the front door of our house is standing wide open. Yeah, and the parents in the room just went, pit of stomach just fell. And that's exactly what happened to me. And I said, oh, surely not. And I, went, I ran down the stairs. I went outside. I'm like, Luke, Luke. I, he wasn't anywhere. I go back in the house. I'm like, Luke, Luke. I go down in the basement, go out in the garage. Luke, where are you? And it's like the longer it goes, I think it's one of those moments where it's like 10 seconds feels like 10 minutes and 10 minutes feels like 10 years. Like, where is my son? Is he okay? And, and I'm going outside and I'm going behind bushes and I'm yelling and I'm, I'm thinking, where could he have gone? And sure enough, like we've got a neighbor across the street with a little playhouse in the back. And I remember they would play there sometimes. And so I went across the street in the back and there's Luke in the play place. And I tell you that because I just want you to think, like, what was my reaction to Luke? Did I sit there and I go, oh, shame on you? No. Did I care enough? I mean, did, did I just go, hey, he's lost. I don't care. I got two other, I got two other ones. You know? No, I didn't think that way. Like, did I walk up to, did I come up to him and I go, hey, you know what, buddy? I am so disappointed. I mean, you should have figured this out. Did I shame him? Did I was disappointed? No. I get down on my knees and I'm like, Luke, come here. And I grab him and I'm so glad that he's here. And I'm so glad that he's safe. And I'm just telling you, I think that is every time I've been lost, every time I've kind of been going the wrong way, and I think, oh, I should probably go the right way. I always think God's going to be ashamed of me and disappointed in me and mad at me. And yet every time I run to him, he's this father who's just like, oh, buddy, I'm so glad you're home. I love you. You were lost and now you're found. Buddy, I'm so glad that you're home. And I would say that he's saying that to you as well. He is a father who would say, I don't care what you've done. I don't care how long you've been doing it. I don't care how lost you are. I am your father and I want what's best for you. And so come home to me today. Oh, the forgiveness and the grace and the love of our Father God. So good. He's so good. Oh, we're going to sing one last song. And while we sing that song, I just want, I want you to know, we're going to have people up here that will pray for you. That's a big deal. They, they, they're going to come up here and they're going to say, hey, if you want to pray with somebody, come on. If you need help with something, you're confused about something, you need, you've got questions, then come on. That's what these people are going to be here for. We're going to sing this one last song. Maybe you're somebody that says, I just, I want to know how to get closer to God. I want to know what to do because there's this thing in my life and I'm not quite sure how to handle it. This is what these people are going to be here for. May this be, like Jesus said, a house of prayer. May this be a place where actual ministry happens because we're vulnerable enough to say, I need help. I'm vulnerable enough to say, you know what? I want somebody to pray with me. And so today I'm going to pray uh, not just that you know the right thing to do, but that you've got the courage to do it. And as people are coming forward, we're going to pray for you. We're going to applaud you. We're going to say, we're so glad that you're here because every one of us, none of us is perfect. We all need God and we all need 
each other. So if you want some help, if you want somebody to pray for you today, you just come right down front during this song. Let's stand up and worship God together.